The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus again, in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet, my calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. So I read that longer version because I wanted to highlight the very last line of today's gospel. Many are invited, but few are chosen. I was wrestling with that a little bit, asking the Holy Spirit, what do you mean by that? In the context of today's gospel, in the context of the readings. And I think basically what God is saying to us is, Many are invited to be his friend. God invites, really, everyone to be his friend. You can see, he starts out, it's a parable, and he's first referring to the Jews, the chosen people, the people of Israel. Don't forget, Jesus himself was a Jew. And he came first to save his own people, the chosen people the people of God, the people that God had always revealed himself to. But many of them, unfortunately, back in in that day, rejected Jesus, especially the, the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, all of these religious leaders rejected Jesus, many of them. But then after he goes through this parable and references how they behaved, He then speaks to the fact that he sent out his servants to the highways and byways to invite everybody. That's us. We're everybody. Unless we have Jewish converts in here, which, I don't know, anybody a Jewish convert? All right, didn't think so. So 
we're the good, the bad, and the ugly that got invited after those who were first selected chose not to come to the party. But now in our own day and age, we're all invited not just to be Christian in name, but to be friends of Christ, to be saints, you could say. And I wanted to highlight this today because yesterday in the town of Assisi in Italy, we beatified, we the church, beatified a new saint. I mean, he's blessed, he's not technically saint yet, but he probably will be soon. But Pope Francis wanted to beatify this young man, Carlo Acutis, who died at the age of 15 back in 2006. So he grew up in Milan, Italy. He was born in 1991, died in 2006 of leukemia. But he was a normal kid. He played video games, he played soccer, and apparently he was a pretty good computer programmer. So much so that he designed a website uh, educating people about Eucharistic miracles. And somebody just bought me this new book, The Eucharistic Miracles of the World. So I just thought I would bring that as, you know, a little show and tell here this morning. And it is a really beautiful book, and it's got lots of pictures and tells lots of neat stories about different times and places throughout the history of the church where the Blessed Sacrament, the Eucharist, actually showed signs of what it really is to the visible eye. So it took on heart flesh, or it it started to show flesh and even blood. And uh, Carlo, young Carlo, was so taken by that that after he made his first Holy Communion at the age of seven, he went to Mass every day. Now I realize we can't all necessarily do that, but he had a great love for the Eucharist, just to be close to Jesus. He said the Eucharist is like the highway to heaven, and I want to be close to Jesus. He spent time in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day. And that undoubtedly shaped his mind and his heart. And that's what coming to Mass does. That's what spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament does. It shapes your mind and your heart. It enlightens your mind. It allows you to know the truth about God and about yourself. And it inflames your heart with the very love of God. I was just watching another little video this morning, and they say that right after Carlo died, that there was this Eucharistic miracle that happened in Mexico, and a lot of people speculate that it was because of his devotion to Eucharistic miracles that God, in a sense, raised up a new Eucharistic miracle shortly after his death. And it's amazing, these Eucharistic miracles, especially those that are more modern, how they're studied meticulously by scientists. And because of all of our modern technology, 
they're able to discover truly miraculous details, scientific details about the Eucharist and these miracles. Most oftentimes, it's heart tissue of a man in his 30s who is under distress, meaning that it speaks to the crucifixion, that the Eucharist represents the whole Christ, but in a special way, his sacrifice, that he died for us so that we could have life. So oftentimes, the flesh that they study from these Eucharistic miracles actually shows that this person was being tortured and suffering when he died. But the other amazing thing is that the tissue is alive. It's not dead. It's alive. I've seen several Eucharistic miracles myself, especially in Italy. And as they study these Eucharistic miracles, even today, hundreds of years after they happened, the tissue is still alive. So that speaks to the fact that God is with us and God is alive and he's moving. God is moving. He's on the move. And he's still calling us to be his friends. He's still calling us, like he called Carlo, to be a good friend, to be a saint, to be transformed by God's grace. It's not that we can just make a decision to be a saint. That's important. That's absolutely important. That is, the, that is you could say, the acceptance of the invitation. If God is calling you got to pick up the phone, right? you got to accept the invitation. But then once you accept the invitation, it's not that it just happens automatically. It's, it's a process. And the process is pretty simple. Carlo figured it out, and he was seven years old. So it's not rocket science. <laughs> you don't have to be a genius to become a saint, Some saints are. I guess Carlo was a computer programming genius. Great. But that had really nothing to do with his becoming a saint, per se. It was the time he spent with the Lord. But he wanted to accept God's invitation to spend time with him every day and to have his mind and his heart shaped and transformed, sculpted by God, by the Holy Spirit, by God's grace. That's how it happens. And just like anything, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Any relationship, right? This is a very provocative question, and I don't mean to make anybody feel bad, but it's a provocative question. In any relationship... Who's in control? Be it a friendship, a marriage, our relationship with God, who's in control? The one who loves more or the one who loves less? It's the one who loves less. The one who loves less is in control of any relationship. So necessarily, we're in control, so to speak, when it comes to our relationship with God. 
because he's always ready and willing to meet us anytime, anywhere, under any circumstances. He's always ready, willing, and able, because he's God. We, on the other hand, are limited, and God knows that. But he's never going to impose himself on you, because that wouldn't be love, that wouldn't be a friendship. That would be like the relationship between a master and his slave. And that is not the kind of relationship that God wants. On the contrary, God extends his hands openly to us and invites us to come to him freely, willingly, lovingly to receive his love, his grace, his mercy, his truth, his goodness, his beauty, to inspire us, to heal us, to strengthen us. And when we see the way that God sees us, we are set free. We are free then to love anybody. They say that Carlo was really good about getting along with all of his classmates. And if somebody was being bullied, he'd be the first one to step up and defend that classmate. And he could do that because he knew that he was loved by God and so were all of his classmates. Whether they were good at soccer or not, or whether they were good at video games or not, that didn't matter. What mattered was that they were children of God. And so as we spend time with him today, the Lord Jesus wants to communicate to us here in the spirit of Carlo Acutis that we are known and that we are loved by God. Remember when he created Adam and Eve, our first parents, he saw that they were very good. So God thinks that you are very good. God thinks that you are very good. When he looks at you, when he sees you, he sees that you are very good. He gets excited about you because you are unique. And Carlo would say, everyone is born unique. Unfortunately, many people die as copies, copies, because they thought that they had to copy other people and be like other people in order to be good, in order to be lovable. Carlo understood very well that God created each and every one of us in a unique way for a unique purpose, to love in a unique way. And I think that's why Pope Francis was so happy to have Carlo beatified because he speaks to young people. They say he's the first millennial to be beatified, to be named a saint. So that's inspiring for all of the millennials out here. So let's pray to Carlo today and ask him to intercede for all of us to help us accept God's invitation to be one of the chosen, 
Because we're all invited. But few are chosen. Meaning that if you are chosen for sainthood by the church, in a sense, because so few accepted the invitation. So let's ask Carlo today to help all of us accept the invitation to be saints in our own way, in our own right. So that we can become all that God created us to be. Amen.